Welcome to Netfront Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon of the Post-Dispatch, joined once again by the beat reporters Jim Thomas, just back from the Valley of the Sun, Matthew DeFranks, here in the STL. And uh, let's jump right into it, guys. The um, Let's get your assessment to start off with JT, uh, the newest blue to join the fray. Uh, Jacob Verana, a skilled guy, uh, looking for a fresh start. Uh, has done some things in his past, but has also had some struggles. Uh, so, JT, what's your what's your first impression? Well, another roll of the dice. Uh, first off, by uh, by Doug Armstrong, but uh, he's pretty fast, and he didn't take long. Uh, didn't take long uh, uh, the other night in uh, in uh, Tempe for him to show that on that uh, on that breakaway uh, was pretty active in the game too. You know, had uh, I think six shots on goal. So. Uh, uh, it, 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 it's kind of a, a strange landscape uh, that, that we're seeing here for the, uh, for the blues. And in essence, if, if this gamble pays off and who knows if it, and, and I'm speaking of Kasperi Kapanen too, he will have gotten two, let's say top nine are, you know, ideally top six guys, basically for the price of one uh, since uh, Steve Eiserman and the Detroit Red, Red Wings were kind enough to retain half of uh, uh Verona's salary. I mean, they, they both add up to, uh, I believe, and I'll, I'll defer if I'm wrong here to our finance major uh, from, uh, from South Bend, uh, Indiana, collegiately that is, but uh, 5.8 million, which I think is Buchnevich's uh, uh, cap hit. So uh, you, you can see the possibilities there, uh, but, uh, but we'll, we'll see what happens here. Yeah, it's, a, it's kind of a, a weird phenomenon in hockey. I think that when a player comes to a new team, there's a that first game always has a little bit extra oomph to it, right? Uh, think about Tarasenko with the Rangers, Blay back in St. Louis. Uh, even Kapanen had a good first game in St. Louis. Verana, uh, you know, had six shots, like you said, JT. Um, but yeah, just just a lot of kind of the same what you said. A lot of speed, uh, kind of a, a low risk bet. You know, for one year at, at two point five, it's you're not betting a lot. I mean, the, the Red Wings essentially uh, retained salary on Verona, so they didn't have to buy him out um, and, and have that extended for another year. So a very low-risk option for, for Doug Armstrong. Didn't give up really anything. I mean, a minor league forward and a seventh is is hardly anything uh, to get him. So it is, it's one of these things that the Blues are in a position to do right now because they're not going to be contending they can take these big swings at or i guess little swings at, at maybe potentially big uh, hits so it's something that i'm i'm, I'm hesitant to get too excited about Kapanen and verana just given their previous stops and, and how ready those teams were to move on from them i mean Kapanen being waived and verana being traded for for nothing at half his salary so uh it's going to take a little bit more to, to see what they can truly bring on a consistent basis. But these are the types of bets that the blues should be making at this point in their, uh, their franchise. And a 2025 seventh rounder, uh, Matthew, <laughs> yeah. digging in their heels on 23 and 24. We yeah. Were, they wanted, they wanted those ones. We, we <laughs> refused to give you those picks. Well, you know, JT at, uh, at worst, what Doug Armstrong has done is uh, acquired stop gaps. And he's giving guys, uh, you know, yeah, he's giving second chances. Yeah, they, maybe they find something. Uh, maybe on the if, if all goes incredibly well, 
These are guys that might get another contract here. If all, if things go reasonably well, these are guys that might get flipped uh, next year for, uh, for draft picks. Uh, and at worst though, you just plug in the gaps and you're not, you're making it quite clear. And his vision is that he doesn't want to rush a bull Duke. He doesn't want to rush his acting. Uh, he wants to snugger to stay in college. It seems. And, you know, just take your time with those guys. In the meantime, stop gap. And there you go. Two guys just plug in a hole. Yeah, very interesting too, that he, yeah, you know, uh, he basically said at his, uh, his, his uh, Doug Armstrong at the trade deadline deal that he, w- he wasn't going to give out the big multi-year contracts this time around. And uh, we'll see when all is said and done, if he, if he, if he holds to that, but that's definitely the plan. So Dougie, are we burned a little bit by some of those uh, defensive uh, contracts uh, into perpetuity by, by some of these guys, but uh, yeah. And maybe, maybe they hit on one of the two. And I think that's, that's a, that's a, uh, uh, a, a, a pretty good result or outcome. Uh, but uh, yeah, certainly, certainly uh, not taking a risk in terms of the, uh, in terms of the, the, the term, that's for sure. Yeah. And it, it was interesting to, to hear Doug kind of put it forward that this wasn't going to be a one-year thing and, and who knows, maybe he wanted it to be, but once they, they didn't, land any big fish or Meyer or Chikrin once they didn't get any of those guys then uh, the things become a little bit clearer as, as to your timeline so uh, the fact that he was looking at it from a multi-year lens uh, was interesting that he wanted these guys to be on one-year contracts he wanted you know like you said Gordo that that bridge or stop gap to their next wave of prospects and you know that's probably kind of the best case scenario if a, if a two-year downswing is the rebuilding era before Snudderud, Bolduke, uh, Neighbors, and Dean all kind of make their marks in the NHL, which probably isn't really likely anyways. It takes probably a little bit more time for those guys to become true NHL contributors. But if that is the the downturn, two years, then I think a lot of franchises would live with that versus the five to seven years uh, that other teams have done. And if Doug Armstrong can kind of get through this flat cap era, buy time until his prospects get here, fill out the rest of the roster, their edges of the top six depth pieces through free agency and trades. um, That seems to be the plan. I'm, I'm still a little bit wary of the plan on defense. Um, The, when he was asked about it, he basically said that we're hoping that these guys can have bounce back years next year. And um, it's, it's a lot of guys you have to ask to bounce back. So I don't know how how likely that would be, but it seems to be the, uh, the plan moving forward for them. Yeah. I mean, he can't come out and say uh, JT that, you know, ideally we're going to, we dump a couple of contracts here and just, and, and not because we'd hate these individuals, but because it's this, alignment no longer fits the roster and we've talked about it all year from a skill standpoint and a skill variety standpoint a blend standpoint it, it hasn't fit for a couple of years and now it certainly doesn't fit with the financial commitment and the age factor so um among the things we're seeing uh jt is uh, marco scandella being dusted off cobwebs removed rust scraped rolled out of the ice and uh, feeling better you know i'm able to skate a little bit uh I obviously they would love to be able to uh, convince the team to uh, 
to Marco could help him next year in some capacity. Um, but you know, how have you assessed his play? Uh, I guess he's hasn't been terrible. Is that what we can say? Jeff, you made uh, and and the listeners can't see it. You made a face when you when you said <laughs> that. Did it pain you to say that he uh, that he hasn't been terrible? I he hasn't been terrible. Yeah. What what do you think of a Marco Scandella at his worst? Uh, oh my God! What a what a bad turnover, right? Uh, and so we haven't we haven't seen that, right? Uh, and you know, he to me he looks maybe a little stiff skating, but that's understandable, you know, with the with the uh, with the with the hip surgery. But yeah, he hasn't been bad. He's been all right. And uh, I, I I don't know. Maybe if he skates well enough, I think it's seven games. And uh, what what do the Blues have left? Nineteen more. If he skates well enough, maybe the Blues say, boy, if we could move one of these more expensive pieces, we could have Scandella as a second or third pair guy for uh, now Jeff's making another face. No, uh, for three. You know what, what I mean? You could have a cost savings there. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, Scandella's, Scandella's been OK. Yeah, I, th- I think the uh, the biggest thing with him is that he hasn't really been noticed, right? Like if you're a guy in in his situation, he's not supposed to be the flashy guy. He's uh, not supposed to be noticed really. And when he is noticed, it's for the wrong reasons. So uh, when I've watched him play since he's come back, it it hasn't really been a a noticeable thing, which for him is probably a good thing. Um, You know, he's not the, uh, even, he's not even Nitletti who's skating the puck out through the zone or, you know, Tory crude with stretch passes or things like that. So uh, I, I, He's been fine in in my eyes. I, I don't think he's been uh, any more or any less than uh, than than okay. Well, and that's you know that's a step up from where we were before the poor guy had to have repairs because uh, he wasn't moving well, and and maybe that was contributing to some of the decision making, uh, which was not the best. Uh, I think Marco for a while there was uh, was taking pressure off Colton Pareko with some of those turnovers, but once Marco was gone, then all the pressure was on Colton. So. He was the one causing all the people to throw stuff at the TVs uh, when they were watching the Blues play. Um, so we'll see. I mean, this is a lot of guys on defense, though, JT. And realistically, you know, Doug Armstrong says this is what we have going forward. But, um, you know, as, as you guys right, I mean, Carl, you know, Callie Rosen's played fine, but they want to take a look at uh, Tucker, understandably. Uh, they want Perunovic to scrape off Rust. Um, they got a lot of guys. And, and Marco just adds to that pile. And, you know, they got guys – they were coming back next year. They'll have a lot of guys. So, I mean, it's really is untenable. I do think the summer, the untenable, this whole situation will become somewhat less untenable this summer. Yeah. You were, you would think when all is said and done that, that, that he'll try to move uh, one or, or two uh, uh, D men. But yeah, I think when, when you add it all up, you've got nine guys that uh, are uh, NHL caliber uh, defensemen, maybe, None of the nine you're you're getting all that excited about, but yeah, there's nine guys. I saw Perunovic had another assist uh, last night for Springfield, so uh, uh, he's he's getting some uh, much 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 needed uh, uh, needed minutes. But uh, oh my gosh, I I, I leave the uh, Arizona game, and again I realize I think uh, on the Chad and uh, in some of his writing, uh, Matt nails it when he says really the wins and losses aren't really what you're looking at right now, but just look, look at the way they kind of, they collapsed at the end of that Arizona game. And 
<clears throat> it circles back, excuse me, it circles back to the defense. How was this defense so bad? I mean, 3.68 goals per game, and uh, and you're you're going to say, yeah, well, it's just a bad year. We're bringing them all back. I mean, I <laughs> if you're a blue season ticket holder, does that make you want to, well, honey, come on, let's bring them all back. Let's renew right now. I don't think so. Yeah, and like with those nine guys, it's you're you're still missing, you know, that that big element um, of a, a guy that can take over the game, unless it's the Colton Parater that showed up in San Jose. Uh, my goodness, JT, he was he was flying. Mm-hmm. But if you if you don't have that that Pareto, then you're just kind of looking at a bunch of role players. You got two power play specialists, Krude Perunovic. You got two kind of heavy bottom pair guys and Portuzo and Tucker, you got some guys in the middle with, uh, you know, Scandella and um, a little higher than him, maybe Falk. And you just, you're missing, you're missing elements, right? But you do have nine guys and, you know, in theory, that'll give you depth when injuries happen on the back end as they inevitably do. Um, but, you know, at some point you got to make decisions on, on Perunovic and, kind of where his development goes and as he gets older, what he's ready for. And um, if there's a role in St. Louis for him, or if you can trade him and, and get something else, because you know he obviously doesn't have trade protection like those other guys do. And he's probably a lot more attractive to other teams. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I, I'm not entirely sold on, on this group uh, as we, we all probably aren't, um, but they have, a lot of different bodies. There you go. Um, that's a summary. That's a plus. Uh, somebody's going to write in the uh, in an offseason preview for the Blues. Well, they got a lot of different bodies on D, so there's that. Um, they don't fit well together. They're getting kind of old. They make a lot of money. They're in the ill. Don't really fit where the team is at in the long term uh, goals here. But uh, oh well. Um, they do bodies. need to bring. They do need to bring in some more youth, uh, JT. So. Um, with the upcoming draft, it looks like they're going to be using some of those picks, uh, maybe bundling to get a better pick, maybe just using some and trading some. We'll see. But they certainly they do have to focus on the blue line. You don't want to make a big mistake drafting for need. You know, you know this from the NFL days. I know this from the Blues. Ron Karan said, well, we don't we have plenty of centers, plenty of centers. We do don't need Joe Sackett. Now we'll take Keith Osborne. He's a goal scoring winger. Yeah, we'll take him. We don't need Joe. We got Doug Gilmore. We got Bernie Federico. Yeah, who needs a center? Who needs yeah. Joe Sackick? Nice player. Now we'll take Keith Osborne. Don't want to make that mistake. Uh, but they do have to draft some defensemen, JT. And along those lines, they sign a college free agent who fits more the defensive mode with Anton uh, Wallstrom. I think nothing special there, but it's an indicator that they've just got to add as much youth as humanly possible to that blue line and hope that some of it works. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, all, all I know or remember about him was that Tim Taylor liked him at, at in the development camp. And so they, they'd kind of been tracking him and that he, he'd really improved his uh, uh, skating and, and, and the footwork and a big body, 6'4", and uh, over uh, 200. So uh, we'll see. But, you know, when you get those college free agents, they're usually they're, they're not 18 or 19. They're, he's, he turns 23 in a little bit so it better be a you know if, if he really if if he really has a future with the blues it, it, hopefully uh he'll have a quick uh, learning curve uh in uh in pro hockey but uh 
you know, and a, a couple of their draft picks now that, uh, defensively are, are playing pretty well in juniors. Uh, Mark uh, Andre uh, Gaudet and uh, Michael uh, uh, Bushinger, I guess it's pronounced. Uh, they've signed uh, over the course of the season, so and they're they're having good good seasons. It looks like uh, point wise, but uh, yeah, you're 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 right, Jeff. If they can find with some of these uh, some of these picks, assuming they use uh, at least most of them this time around, they. They definitely need to restock uh, some of the uh, shells there on the blue line and restock it with, with guys. Uh, uh, I mean, once, uh, can you remember the last time they had a, a first rounder? Dude, is it, is, is it Petro? Uh, I, I just looked it up. It was a 2012 Jordan Schmaltz. Oh, ah, oh. brother of Nick. Yeah. Brother of Nick. Big time the first blues player to refer to me as JT to put the two initials together, but yeah. Brother of Nick Schmaltz, okay. Yeah, and and I haven't looked around the league to as if eleven years is the longest team, longest active drought of not selecting a first round defenseman, but that is that's twice some time, right? And I mean, even if you want to you want to narrow it down further, I mean, Schmaltz went twenty five, so the last you know uh, you know lottery or top ten defenseman they took was was Alice Petrangelo in two thousand eight, so. Yeah, they had this this four year stretch of first round defensemen uh, Johnson, Cole, Petrangelo, and Rudblad, and they had Schmaltz a few years later, and nothing in uh, in eleven years. So uh, it, it's easy to see why they they don't have uh, you know defensive depth or or prospects coming because they just haven't selected their their defensemen very high uh, in the draft. So I, I think Gordo, you're you're right that they probably do need to go. Uh, a little bit defensive here. And, you know, we talk about drafting for need and um, I, I think with the NHL is probably two different things, right? You, you have the roster needs and you have the system needs and, and certainly the, the roster can't really handle another defenseman right now without moving one, but the system uh, could use some for sure. And uh, you know, last year in, in Dallas, they didn't have, they were kind of in a similar situation where they only had maybe one, defenseman prospect and and really nothing on the right side and I think it was their first three or four uh, picks were all right-handed defensemen uh clearly a focus there and probably some some part of the way the pitch lined up but when an organization kind of assembles their lists in such a way that it, it focuses on certain aspects uh, I think that's the result you get and, and maybe the Blues do something similar this year. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to you don't want to reach and pull a muscle or, or end up with a um, a horrible pick. But yeah, if there's if it's at all close, I think you know. And these guys, and they can't, they don't need it. They got puck rushers, they got offensive minded guys. If you try to find that well rounded guy, feel free to get a guy that you can put out there on a, on the PK and, and match up uh, to uh, down the road. You know, three four years down the road, somebody you can envision matching up against top lines. Um, it takes a long time to develop these guys, to, especially for that kind of a role. So we all have to keep that in mind. This will just be a starting point, this draft, to addressing that position. They're going to have to use all means necessary to, to freshen the group up. Um, switching gears a bit to talk about a positive, we actually wrote a happy story in the uh, Post and Dispatch. Uh, you wrote about Pavel Buchnevich. Um, you know, JT, uh, now he's a pass-first guy to the extent where, to the point where it drives everybody, well, not everybody, but certainly the chief and, and others crazy. Um, so given his playmaking skills, uh, they're intrigued by putting him at center. 
And if he, if he can handle the defensive responsibility, he's a smart guy. Uh, he certainly does like to make plays, more comfortable making plays than shooting. So what do you think? Is this, uh, like like Doug says, it's next 12 to 24 months experimentation time. Uh, what do you think? I think if I'm a fan, I'm okay with a 12 months experimental time. But when you go you know, 12 to 24, what the uh, for two years we're going to be Poindexter and uh, getting the vials and uh, concocting things. I don't know about that, but well, first off, he's he's he, he's 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 got to do some work in the uh, faceoff circle, but uh, I'm sure he can do that. I'm guessing just about all of these NHL players at one time, whether it be junior or whatever, played center, you know, or. So, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to, 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 to see it in action. I just wonder, you know, uh, uh, you know, maybe how long they're going to wait to do it. I mean, uh, if they're going to try it out, I mean, uh, Doug was, he was incredibly revealing in uh, I thought in, in his uh, post trade deadline uh, uh, deal uh, last Friday, he even uh, Worked out the uh, worked out the pairs for that, uh, uh, or excuse me, the lines for that. I guess he had what uh, he had: uh, uh, Kyru and Kapanen on uh, right wing, and Saad and and uh, Vrana on left wing for that. And then Buchnevich and Thomas were his uh, centers. Now I didn't exactly say who who he'd match up in in all three. Right now, Saad is playing on the uh, on the uh, 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 third line, but uh, yeah. Why not give, give give it a whirl? Let let's see what he looks like there. Yeah, it's uh it's one of these things that I'll probably have to to see to believe uh, in its existence. Um, you can see it for you know a shift or two every game or so, but until he's there full time, um, it's something I'm not gonna buy completely into. Um, yeah, and JT, you mentioned the the face offs. Like I, <laughs> he's twenty five percent for his career. Um, granted that's only 200 career face-offs taken. Um, but that's, that's not good. And I think this year he's at 19%. So maybe if he gets, you know, full-time center duty, puts a, a little bit more work into face-offs, those numbers rise a little bit. Um, and I guess there's always the other possibility that you put a, you know, a right-handed guy on his line to, to take right-handed draws and he can only take the, you know, the left-handed draws and, kind of work around it that way or um you maybe just kind of toy with his deployment and not have him take face-offs in, in bid times and stuff like that and um face-offs are a part of the game but not all of it obviously and he's defensively responsible enough to probably handle things and uh, really one of the team I mean if not the best all-around player on the team one of them for sure and I think the the thing with with like modern hockey is that the delineations between wingers and centers have kind of been blurred over time, right? A, a lot of teams use the the first forward back is is the low guy in the defensive zone, and regardless of whether that's a a winger or a center, and uh, I think a lot of times it tends to be a center just because centers put themselves in in that situation more often. But really, the the offensive play is is no different between the three forward positions uh, other than face-offs and the defensive play has kind of changed a little bit as well. So if it's just a matter of, uh, of having him be better at face-offs um, I think that's doable. It's just one of these things I'll have to, uh, to see to believe. One of the 
the aspects of uh, of uh, Doug uh, helpfully uh, mapping out his vision for the forward lines is that he does realistically see Braden Shen's role um, becoming more of a supporting guy and as a third line guy um, as he goes forward, which is realistic. I mean, uh, Braden's going to, I think, assume the uh, Alexander Steen role, probably not land all the way on the fourth line, but clearly his role, uh, he's going to be the well-paid leader uh, who's going to end up doing a lot of the, a lot of dirty work, a lot of maybe some, you know, tougher assignments uh, and maybe not as much candy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I actually, when you look at the start of this season, he began the season centering the third line. It was O'Reilly with the first line and Thomas with the uh, second line. So, uh, uh, you know, and then, and then stuff happened, but uh, yeah, uh, I think that makes a, uh, uh, a lot, a, a lot of sense. Uh, it was interesting in his, uh, he went all the way, Doug went all the way through four lines. He didn't mention Logan Brown. I noticed that, but uh, maybe it was just, you know, an oversight, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I can see where that makes sense. Uh, and, but, but he also said they need one of the things they need to get is an, another uh, top nine forward. And he said, maybe it's a center who knows, maybe, depending on how Uchnevich looks, maybe that will impact whether they go out and get a center. But I, I'm, I'm with you, Jeff, and I'm sure most hockey people that you can never have enough centers, you know, uh, Barbashev, uh, Sunquist when they were here, uh, even Bozak, they all, uh, you know, moved it to forward at, at certain times, but it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it, it's great to have lots of centers. Yeah, it's almost like every line in the league has two centers on it, and just one of them is playing wing, and they switch on and off the face-offs. And um, currently, you don't really have that with the Blues. You don't really have uh, any lines that have two centers on it that can go in and out of face-offs. And uh, it, just pro- it just provides you flexibility and versatility, right? Um, I, I do think when we talk about Shen – on a contending team third line is probably where he belongs. Just like earlier in the season, we were talking about Noel Achari, you know, if he's on a contending team, he's on the fourth line. He's not, he's not getting third line minutes. He's getting fourth line, hard minutes and and PK time. And um, on a contending team, Braden Shen at this point, his career is probably best on on the third line, give him a little bit less responsibility, uh, maybe a little bit more freedom to, to do things out there when he's not up against top lines and top pairs. And, um, and go from there. I mean, I think with these these contracts, these long term contracts, you always kind of know that the end of it is going to be a little bit ugly. But I think uh, the Blues are still kind of hoping that the middle of it is is palatable. Well, JT, one uh, one last topic here on the net front for this time around. Uh, the um, you know again to Matt's point, it's not about the outcome. You do, it's it's about looking at, at players and looking at things and looking at the future right now because the, the season is lost. But you would like to use this final quarter of the season to build some semblance of some sort of a hint of offensive chemistry with the power play because it's just not there. And uh, as Buchnevich said uh, at the la- after the latest fiasco, it's just – you know, the favorite phrase now the coaches have is they're, they're not connected, but just a lot of guys skating around, beating somebody, and then what? You know, it's just not much. It's just, it's exasperating. And they they, should, they need to use this remaining season to try to 
develop something they can carry over because a lot of these guys will be back next year. Yeah, yeah, a lot of them will. And uh, just too, uh, <clears throat> too much time on the outside. And, and just, I realize there are times when, you know, you need patience, but there just doesn't seem to be, uh, even kind of in good times to a degree, enough of a sense of urgency. Uh, were they driving you nuts on that, like the five on three, Jeff, when oh. pass it here, we'll pass it there. No, you have five players. They have three. Put pressure on them. Get them moving. Shoot the puck. Swoop in for for rebounds. And, uh, you know, they still miss Perron there, but Kyrou scored a lot of goals on the on the power play. And he he's in one of the stretches where he looks a little bit lost on the power play. I mean, it was so and and the chief doesn't in game, he doesn't uh uh mess with his power play alignments nearly as much as he does with lines, but he switched Falk and Krug. He moved Shen to the second unit. So he kind of likes the concept of having lines together on the power play so we had shen with uh kapanen and vrana and uh so yeah i i don't know uh i don't know the the way out of it i mean after all this time uh it gets back to and it re reminds me what you said about buchnevich he for all his goal scoring he's a he's a pass first guy they they've got a lot of pass first guys they they need guys with uh if only josh levo's shot were were better because he'll shoot it. They need guys. I'm I'm shooting it. Even Kapanen, he, he said when he first got here, yeah, I want to. I'm going to try to be more aggressive. I'm going to try to shoot it. And for the first couple of games, he was. But I noticed in uh, at the mullet there, he uh, he passed some open shots. So they just they just need to drum into these guys, you know, to to shoot it. And it it doesn't have to be the perfect look. Uh, you know, the the C doesn't need to part. For you to say, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot the puck, but it, it's tremendously exasperating. Even the watch. I mean, I'm not even on the team, and it's, it's just odd. It's, isn't it exasperating to you guys? Yeah, the, uh, the five on three wasn't, wasn't pretty. Uh, I think it ultimately ended when there was a pass back to the point they got out of the zone, and it just, just didn't need to be that way. And uh, the break between periods didn't help, but it, it certainly wasn't the reason that they didn't produce. Uh, yeah, I mean, Gordo, as you mentioned before, this is the rest of the season is about like picking out players and seeing how they develop and things like that. And one of the things you want to see is, is that that Thomas Kyrou take that next step and a lot of it's on the power play. And uh, that's something that you want to see build and you want to see more responsibility, you want to see confidence and consistency and those things just aren't there. It's just, it's just that simple. They're just not there. Yeah, and, and Matt will find out too. My one of my great pet peeves. It doesn't really relate to this because the whole power play is a mess. But so I was going to joke to JT that if they could only use the bumper more, I mean, just put more focus on the bumper where you can get a guy with the least amount of space to operate, take the toughest possible pass, and then try to convert that tough pass in traffic into something that's going to work. Just let this is focus on the bumper. Let's make let's make that the focal point because. Unrelated, I'm watching the Rangers play. They put Mika's advantage at in the bumper roll where they just basically said, he's off the power play. We're taking him off the – him and his one-time shot off the power play. We're just going to stick him there where he's useless because everything comes in there and he's got to turn around. He's got to try to – you know, all of a sudden there's three guys on him. I mean, but that's unrelated. The other <laughs> unrelated one is five on three. I love how teams will put two guys in a position where they have no chance to score. 
They'll put two guys on the parallel to the goal line, to the goal on the goal line, where they have no chance or anything, but feed it back to the other three guys who are covered by the three guys on the ice. Those two guys, they're just feeding it to the, so it's three on three plus two guys off to the side, like it's a drill. Yeah, so, I, I do laugh about the guys underneath the circles uh, on the five on three, but the look I do like is when they put two guys below the goal line and you're making the goalie kind of turn around and do that. So I, I like that, but I don't like the guys that are right on the goal line. All right, there we go. So we got Matt on board on that. So, all right, well, that's it. That's it for this edition of Netfront Presence. We appreciate JT and Matt making time. Uh, a reminder to all of our listeners that uh, we have so much cool stuff on our website, stltoday.com, the digital version of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. So many videos, so much going on. We have uh, so much extra content. Uh, also, our print edition continues to roll out onto your pavement, uh, so please do support local journalism. Allow us to do the good work that hopefully entertains you. By please support us, we appreciate it. Uh, until next time, for Jim Thomas, for Matthew DeFranks, I'm Jeff Gordon. See ya.